You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is my good buddy, Brian Krebs. Now, Brian is the host of two different podcasts. First off, he's got the Two Bucks podcast. He's been doing this for a long time, and it's all about outdoor entrepreneurs, outdoor businessmen, women that just dive deep into their journey creating a business in the outdoor space. A lot of people are interested and looking for a way to get into the outdoors. I get people who ask me all the time, hey, dude, how do I hunt for a living? How do I do this for a living? And he talks to a wide variety of people, CEOs of companies, people who just do videography long-term, actual professional hunters, you name it, he's got them on, and it's an awesome show. Also, about a year ago, he took over the Western Rookie podcast. That's something that I was doing for a little while. I absolutely loved it, but I realized my time just didn't allow for me to be hosting two different podcasts. And so we started that transition process. Now he's been doing it almost a year, and he's absolutely crushing it. The guy loves to Western hunt, including shed hunt, and he has people on with a lot of experience, a little experience. He talks about draw odds, gear, strategies, tactics, and story recaps. You name it, he's got it on his show. So I definitely encourage you, after you're done listening to this, go check out both those podcasts. But for now, let's jump into this episode with Brian. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and joining me on the show is Brian Krebs. Brian, what's going on, dude? Hey, not much, just uh, just trying to stay warm. We've got, like, the first final cold front of the year up here in minnesota so it's like negative five right now yeah dude it's a negative one here it's been it's been getting below zero uh the past couple days we have a grand total of a quarter inch of snow on the ground and what's funny is the kids have now had three snow days already and we haven't even hit a full inch of snow that's wild. Well, like, so I was in between you and I, and they absolutely got wrecked. Yeah. So maybe that's, they were just worried, like, if this happens, we're going to be so, you know, because you guys probably don't have, like, the same snow plow, like, snow removal infrastructure that Iowa has. Like, for sure not what we have. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone in, everyone up here has snow plows and stuff, and then Iowa's, like, probably mixed. Like, they weren't prepared for 20 inches of snow in a day. No. But, yeah. Yeah, they... They don't, I mean, they just overhype everything. I mean, this yeah. type of snowfall and these weather or these cold temperatures, they're like, fill your bathtubs with water in case you run out of 
the ability to get water, you can boil that and use it as drinking water. I mean, like they go full prepper mode just yeah. because like Kansas gets snow. They're like, it's coming. Everybody buckle down. And so the first two snow days, they called a snow day before a flake of snow ever even hit the ground just, just in yeah. preparation of it. And both days, they didn't even really have to plow. All they had to do was salt and it would have all melted. I would laugh if like you like filled up your bathtub full of water, like getting prepared. And then your son Canyon, you like walk. He's like, look dad, I'm being <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> I'm in the tub. Oh my gosh. It, they would too. If that bathtub is full of water, my daughter is just like dumping bubbles in it immediately. She's jumping in. She would take five baths a day if I let her. She loves it. Well, at least you don't have to fight them. Yeah. But yeah. No, we finally, I mean, it's been frustrating for us because like ice fishing is kind of one of my go-tos after the hunting season wraps up and you know, our lakes all opened up again for like the week of Christmas. We got oh, three dang. inches of rain, like big lakes were like, I was on the lake fishing and then like in two days there was open water again. It was just bizarre. It's ne I've never seen that. Yeah. And so we went out this Saturday and it was just like four inches of ice. And every time it cracks, you could like feel it and the water would start to like, you know, your listeners would probably like think it's just a foreign concept to be <laughs> fishing on lakes in the wintertime on the ice. But usually by now we've got like a foot, foot and a half of ice that you could drive pickups on all day long and not have issues. And now we like can't even drive a four wheeler on it. So Dude, it's been I have a disaster of a winter. I haven't ice fished in over a decade. I mean, it's been a long time, but down here it's like the boat ramp might freeze over, but it's open water in the middle. So it kind of, yeah. It kind of screws us because, like, by the time the birds actually push down, we get something crazy like this where the boat ramps are all frozen. And then it's like, we've tried. We've tried to just back the trailer onto the ice and see if it would crack. And yeah. it didn't. And so we're like, well, shoot, now we're shore hunting today, I guess. Um, but we've had such warm weather here that the deer activity has sucked. And then oh, now we get this literally a couple days before the end of season and we get finally a good cold front and the deer are back on their feet. Yeah. We, um, I pretty much rode off hunting for like most of December because it was 20, 30 degrees above normal and yeah. we weren't seeing any deer, like just nothing. I tried muzzleloader hunting and like, I was just trying to shoot a doe. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Didn't have does in range ever. Um, and so I just kind of switched to fishing and farm stuff with the new farm here. And actually, like you said, now it's cold. I just threw out a couple of hay bales and then I sprinkled some corn over the top of it just to try to get mostly just to like view wildlife. Cause we got a one food plot that's like right outside my window from my bedroom and like the whole back of the house. Yeah. And so we can watch animals and wildlife all the time. And so I was just one, mostly wanted to just see deer like in the yard all winter long. But also a little bit of like, eh, I don't really want them to leave the property to go find food in winter elsewhere. Yeah. And already overnight, deer are hitting it. I woke up this morning. There's deer out in it, daylight, deer coming back into it. So it's like finally, like now that it's cold again, we got some movement and a ton of coyotes. We have a lot of coyotes on the farm. Dude, we've been having that issue around here. I mean, the predator issue on the properties that I hunt just exploded this year. I had more pictures of bobcats on camera this year than I have in all of the 10 years that I've been able to hunt it combined. So wow. I'm kind of, 
Yeah, bobcats are strange because we don't really get bobcats up here as much, or we don't see them anyway. We've only had one like bobcat ever. He tripped a couple cameras on our farm one night, and that was it. I mean, but like for the last up until like this cold front, I would say I'm getting like five pictures of a coyote for every picture of a deer on our new 40 acre piece. Like every night there's a pot where there's coyotes going back and forth just on a string. And so I ordered a couple traps. I'm going to see if I can figure out how to trap a coyote. Dude, I, I just bought a bunch of raccoon traps and I have raccoons like crazy. And I'm like, man, even just for the Turkey, the ducks, the geese, you know, I think it would be good. And I've been getting them on my ring camera. I had one two days ago, walk straight down my driveway at my shop in the middle of the day. And I'm like, that's pretty odd. You know, normally I get pictures every night of them on camera, but like midday, I think it was 1140 or something like that right in front of my shop. And so I was like, I think it's time. So I went and bought a dozen dog proof traps and I might put those out here in a couple days. Yeah, I got two coon traps. So we have like a five acre woods. The next time when you come up for Bowfest, you'll definitely have to swing through because you'll yeah. appreciate it. But um, we've got like five acres of mature trees and like big oaks and stuff. So I'm like, I can't believe we don't have raccoons, but I haven't seen any tracks. I haven't seen any pictures. So I don't really know. I know enough about trapping to know like you can't just go willy nilly put traps out and expect to catch anything. Yeah. Like they have to be where the animals are. And so, like, that's why I'm really excited about my coyote sets because I, I think I'm going to put two traps, actually. I think I'm going to, like, not, like, in one spot, but, like, one here and then 15 feet, one over there because we'll commonly get two or three coyotes at night going by it. So I'm like, well, if I trap one, maybe I'll get the other one, too, or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I'm happy about that set because there's always coyotes there. With the coons, it's like I don't really feel like it's worth my time to just go randomly put out a couple of coon traps in the woods. And so I'm hoping that this, like, bait station or the feed – like with the corn and the hay is going to start bringing in some coons. Cause every other yeah. time I've ever put any corn out, the coons come instantly. And so then I'll just start trapping them like on their way to the, the corn pile. Yeah. And see if I can get them that way. So I don't want to have to walk around and check my traps every day. I still have to look into the lot. I'm hoping I can just use my cell cams to like, I mean, I don't have enough cell cams to like do all of the coyote traps, all of the deer spots and put them on raccoon traps. Yeah. So I want to put the raccoon trap somewhere I can see them. Yeah. I think, I mean, it would be sweet to have a big open field. And I do on one of my properties that I could like drive the road and oh. effectively check a bunch of them. Yeah. The problem is that that field is leased out by a guy who does cattle and crops. And I, I was like, Hey, how do you mm. feel about this? Uh, I mean, that field is being like, he doesn't allow cattle on it, but the property as a whole, he's oh, got yeah. cattle on some of it. And I was like, how would you feel about this? He's like, man, our dog kind of runs around every now and then. And I've never seen his dog on camera. <laughs> but he's like, I just don't, uh, I don't think so. And I'm like, dang it. I really, I think that trapping is something I could get into. But I, I could, also don't have time for it. So I don't have a lot of time for it. That's why I want to see if I can do the cell cam thing to check my traps. Um, and there's like no money in it. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. You know I have the business show. And so I'm very like business minded and always thinking about like different ideas. And I start putting it together. Like I searched the like 2023 fur prices. Right. And so like people were selling coyotes for like 30 bucks, maybe 20, 30 bucks. Like thir- they're like third, like don't expect 30 though. Like 30 was like best of the best, biggest coyote. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to spend like 
two hours trying to catch a coyote and skinning it, right? Like an hour to put the trap out and like do all that stuff. An hour to like catch the like coyote, reset the trap, bring it home, skin it. You have to worry about like fleas. It's you have to like spray them for fleas. And so it's like I got two hours into it before I even start. Then I have to like tan it. And I'm not like an expert on trapping. You probably have a lot of people write into the show talk about how, how much of an idiot I am. But you have time into it. Like you either have to like salt it and dry it or you actually like full on tan it. Whatever like whatever you do, that's more time. And it's like product. Like you have to buy stuff to do it with. Yeah. And I'm like, if I sell this hide for twenty dollars, I probably have forty dollars into it. Like <laughs> like like when everyone's like, Oh, I made I bought my first pickup when I was a kid from trapping muskrats, I'm like I don't know what fur prices were compared to pickup prices back when you were a kid, Grandpa, but, like, they're selling muskrats for $2 a piece. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, when the like, fur boom was going on, I mean, they really did make a killing on that stuff. And even maybe. now, if you get, like, the western states, I feel like you can still make good money off of trapping. But here... But then you have, like, no, you nobody wants have a worse problem with time. Yeah. Because yeah. now your trap line's like 100 miles long, you know, or maybe not quite, but it's longer. And you, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, I know Western coyotes are worth more than Eastern coyotes because they're bigger and they have better fur. But yeah, like, where's the threshold? Like, you, you especially to do it part-time. Like, you can't do enough part-time. Like, if you were doing it full-time and you're catching 100 coyotes a week on your line, like yeah, maybe you start selling a yeah. hundred coyotes at fifty bucks a pop. You got twenty five bucks into it. You're making twenty five hundred bucks a week. Like yeah, that's pretty lucrative. Yeah, but you're also probably not going to catch a hundred a week. No, you know what I mean. But like if you're doing it part time, you're trying to catch three coyotes and like even pay for your gas. That's what I really can't figure out. Yep. Like the gas money. <laughs> like I, all of mine are on my own property. Like I just walk around. Yeah. So I just really don't understand this whole fur market trapping thing from a financial standpoint. The only reason I bought traps was to help the fawn recruitment and the turkey recruitment. Like yep. that's, and I will try to keep the fur because I think it's really cool. But I'm not injured. Like I'm like ah, I'm not even gonna try to convince my wife that this is gonna pay for itself. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I I talked to a guy, and I mean I don't know if you do, but I don't know a single person who's a trapper full time. Um, I just I've never I've talked to a lot of different people. And I don't know anybody who's like, this is my full-time gig. Like, this is what I do. Um, but I I talked to a guy who I actually went to Alaska with, and he grew up trapping. And he's like, man, if you need some tips or tricks, let me know, because I used to do this all the time. And I was like, I mean, is there money in it? And his response to me was, if you trap, just expect to pay for new traps. And I was like interesting he's like go out buy some it's going to cost you money up front set some traps if you decide to sell them then you know invest that into new traps and then once you get a lot of traps then maybe you can make a little bit of money he's like but really it's probably going to be more of a passion thing and so i've already given up the idea of making anything on it because like you i want yeah. the fur like yeah. the fur a coyote pelt is worth way more to me, especially if I get the knowledge of how to tan it, how to do all of that stuff, than it is. Uh, it, it's worth more than 20 bucks to me, you know? Yeah. Well, I was watching like this video on YouTube and it was somebody in South Carolina and she was a taxidermist, full-time taxidermist. And she went through the process of like a fully finished soft tan bobcat and it was already skinned. 
and it was like it was a 30 minute youtube video the video spanned at least a week and she did a batch 12 and this is her full-time job and she had everything set up to do it but yeah. I'm just looking at it like, well, I don't have that set up. I'd have to do build some for that. I have to use a five gallon pill, for, and like I have to buy a bottle of that and a bottle of this and a bottle of that, and and it's like pH strips and all this. And that was to get like a super white, really pliable, soft tan. But I'm still like, my gosh, do I not have time for that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like yep. to do one bobcat it takes me a week of like every day going out to the shop every three four hours to check something. Plus, I don't have a heated shop, so you know what am I going to do for that? Yeah, zero degrees. My first gonna freeze, not wash. Now you're gonna need a turbo heater and diesel fuel and like yeah, yeah. Shop. I mean, it's it's got a wood stove, but then I'm right back to you know, it's just a time (laughs) sink, you know. And I do. I've met two full time trappers. One was employed by actually they were both kind of employed by the state, but one was employed by the state of North Dakota to trap coyotes, and you could tell he had no interest in the fur, like. He was yeah. doing cyanide traps. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, hey, I was shed hunting. He's like, hey, I got a whole bunch of cyanide traps out there. Like, I don't think you want to bring your dog. And I was like, thank you for letting me know. I'm really glad. Yeah. And he's like, what do you do with the furs? He's like, I don't know. Like, he didn't want to tell me he throws them away, but he wasn't like, oh, yeah, I keep them and tan them and I sell them on my Etsy store. You know, like, <laughs> he was definitely, like, not doing. He was like, he was a game and fish employee. He wasn't yeah. a warden. He was just, like, an employee. And then there's one in South Dakota I met, and he was employed, like, as a full-time trap line runner. So, like, any property owners that had, like, problems with coyotes or predators, um, they could call him up, and he'd just run a trap line on their property, and that was his full-time gig. And he was able to, like, keep all the furs. So he got paid full-time to do it, and then he could keep the furs and to sell the furs. I was like, that actually sounds like the world's best job for, like, a country boy that turns 18 and doesn't oh, know what he real. wants to do with his life. You make money, but then you basically get an incentive bonus because you do so good at it, you sell the furs. Right, and if, like, someone that's, like, I love the country, I love hunting and fishing and trapping, I don't know if I want to go to college, like, I don't know what, just, like, do that for a couple of years. Like, live life, figure out what you want to do. So those are the only two I've ever heard of that are full-time trappers. I know there's a lot of probably people around that are full-time trappers, but probably Yeah, rare. I mean, but that makes sense that they're making money, like, as a position, yeah, they're hired. And then they can, yeah, they're hired to do it. It's not, they're making all of their profit off of fur. I feel yeah. like the most beneficial part of learning how to trap would be getting my son into it. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean, if that's one of the first things that he learns is how to trap animals, imagine how much better of a hunter he's going to be being able to look at sign and be like, hey, listen, if I can get a coyote to step in this four inch circle, you better believe I can call one in or I can figure out how a deer works. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that I've heard do like with chicken eggs that like dad pretty much buys all the stuff and like covers the expenses as long as the kid like does it and sells the eggs and like, yeah, does all the work like they're not. And then they use that money to pay for college and like 18 years, like one of I knew one person that he both of his daughters paid for their college by selling eggs. And so dad was basically like, I taught my kids a lesson and I got college 50 percent off at the end of the day. Because I paid that's for sweet. all the expenses. So, like, if you did the same thing with Canyon, it'd be like, hey, I'll buy all the traps, I'll buy all the bait, I'll buy all the stuff. But if you do the work, you can keep the money and we'll put it in, like, an account for you. Yeah. You'd yeah. Same I thing. You be... teach him a lesson and you'd, he'd end up with a bunch of money. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think he would love it. Like, he, that kid loves being outside and he yeah. loves hiking. We went on a camping trip as a family 
And I mean, we rode the four wheeler around now. Now I got a side by side. And so we'll be doing a lot of off-roading stuff, but above everything else, I said, what was your favorite part of the weekend? And he goes going on the hike. And I'm like, dang, really? dude, yeah. that's awesome, man. Like you just liked walking, looking at things, picking up cool rocks, throwing rocks, smacking sticks against trees. Like he just likes being out there and doing that stuff. And they're both definitely getting the outdoor itch. And so obviously with this cold, I'm not doing a whole lot outside <laughs> with them. They're like, they've never been in temperatures like this. So, um, I think as the spring comes, we're going to be doing a lot more outside this year. Yeah. It sounds like Canyon's going to be a excellent archery elk hunter. Cause that's basically all it is, is walking around, finding cool stuff. Every now and then you do a calling set and you rub a stick on a tree, like a scraper yep. or raking a tree and. Dude, I'm hoping he falls in love with that stuff. He asks me all the time, like, when can we go hunting? And right now, it's like there's not a whole lot with this weather especially, but I'll probably take him out and let him duck hunt with me. He's not going to have anything to shoot. You know, he can't he can't hold up the 410 yet, and so it'll just be him coming with and hanging out and seeing what it's all about. Yeah, that's still fun. Still, still definitely a good time. Good to get him out. All right, if you're not using Tacticam's Reveal Cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the Reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt, and not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card, and I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting, whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall, and some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their turkey hunter vest, and I take the cold world stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. So 2023 seasons are basically wrapping up. I don't know if you guys have anything in just, season aside from small game. Just uh, predators. Yeah. Yeah. Predators and small game. How, how'd your 23 season go? You know, for myself, it was actually pretty, I would say pretty mid, you know, nothing yeah. good happened. Um, I shot a doe with my bow, which was fun. Um, but the, you know, the big hunt, which is the elk hunt, we had to go to a new spot and, and we talked about this on the Western rookie podcast, but it was tough. You know, we did Colorado new spot in Colorado, lots of like lots of pedestrian traffic, like not hunters, but hikers and bikers. 
yeah. um, which we weren't necessarily used to. And we knew going in there would be more of that, but it was just hard. The elk were almost, you know, non-existent in terms of like bugling, calling, working. Um, we had one good encounter and the guy that, that was the shooter, um, kind of like, he scared the elk at 23 yards, like the elk walked in and saw him and jumped, and then that scared him, and he accidentally punched his trigger while he was drawing. So Dang. that was just a bummer, else he would have smoked it, I'm sure, 23 yards. Um, yeah. And then yeah, that was hard really... to miss a target that size at 23 yards. I've heard people say that they have, like, 12-yard shots they've missed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, that's just awful. Like, that's, the, that's, that's my version of, like, nightmare fuel. Yeah. Missing an elk at 12 yards, like trying to actually shoot it, not like something happened. But, yeah, that was the only good shot encounter we had. I had two bulls within 60, but no shots, um, and we just didn't see a lot of elk. We spiked out on the mountain for the first time in our group's history. So that was pretty fun. It was a lot lot easier and a lot more comfortable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like back, basically backpacking. Um, got back. We, we were chasing a giant buck on uh, one of our family farms. And I actually called him Maverick because I got a um, I got a hunting blind partnership on the Western Rookie, and it's like a panel blind, a six panel blind, or they have all kinds of versions. But the company's called Maverick Hunting, and so you know I I got these two blinds and trade for a partnership, and I needed to go put them all up. This is like mid October when the when we signed the deal, so I drove to basically Green Bay, picked them up, drove back home, then drove out to the family farm to put one up. I already had the platform built and everything, so I I built it in the air, like hauled everything up the ladder, built it. I basically spent eight hours on this platform, Dang. building it, filming it, all the kind of like worst thing you want to do in the middle of October, right? It's just <laughs> like be working for eight hours and talking loudly, but it's a CRP farm. It's like a very open farm, so it's like ah, if I can't see a deer, I'm probably not busting a deer. Yeah. Well, that night, this buck showed up for the first time ever on camera. And so I called him Maverick. And then from then on, we've been chasing. The, and it's 160, 165-inch mainframe 10 with, like, one split. Um, and Dang. so I had him at, finally, second weekend, I had him at, uh, second weekend of firearm season, I had him at 200 yards for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we're in a shotgun zone. And my shotgun Ooh. is a 150-yard shotgun. Dude, that's rough, man. It's it's funny how they know, like, it seems that they know your range. You know, they're just always right outside. Well, and it's it kind of is a bummer because we have a, a pretty prominent ditch, like not just like a country road ditch, but like a can like a, I'd say it's probably 12 to 15 foot cut where there's like this creek that's been flowing ever since I've been alive. Um and so it's a huge prominent feature, and he crossed it and followed that down on the opposite side. But if he would have been on my side, I probably would have got a shot. Yeah. So it's just like, but when I pulled into the parking lot where we usually park, he was chasing a doe. And mind you, I pulled in like two hours before first shooting light, hour and a half, because I had him on cell cam that night before. Yeah. And so I knew he was on the property the night before. Maybe he's better with the dog. I'm like, I'm going to get in there early as I can, like Santa Claus early, in the middle of the yeah. night, and try to like beat him there. Well, he's standing in the parking lot when I pulled in, like in oh the headlights with a doe. And I'm like, shoot. So I back out, drive around the whole property. Wind was perfect, actually. So I, I parked on the other side of the property, like ran in as quiet as I could, got all set up, 
And sure enough, he was, he never moved. He was still in the, like, we have a food plot by the parking lot. He was still in the food plot at like eight thirty nine o'clock in the morning. And then that's when the whole thing started. And he ran across to the neighbors. Uh, no one shot him middle of the day by that point. And then, um, I don't know, first, second week of muzzleloader season, one of the neighbors shot him. Jeez, man. So, yeah, so that was bummer. Um, our group had the worst deer hunting we've ever had. Not a single, we didn't shoot a single deer during our firearm season, which is our big, like, family, just like your family in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, tip, I mean, we've shot upwards of, I think our record is 11. We're always at least three. Like, I can't remember a year we didn't shoot at least three deer for our uh, family and no one shot it. My brother shot a coyote. That was it. That was the only oh thing we goodness. shot. I mean, we could have shot a couple does here and there, but like when you're only seeing one deer, our family's more like, I don't want to shoot a doe and like wreck my stand for good for like the day or for the weekend, you know, because like, we're just not, do you guys, we're seeing 20, 30 deer a night, like normal. It's like, yeah, yeah I'll shoot a doe with 15 tomorrow instead of 20. But yeah, it was just terrible. Dude. I, I've noticed on the farm that I hunt there, there is no correlation with shooting to lack of deer movement. Like, like if you shoot a deer, you'll still move deer. If you pull the trigger, you better be ready for another deer to show up in five minutes. Is I mean, Wisconsin? it's almost a call. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think there's a couple of differences. So the, one of the first differences is like your farm that we shed hunted is very, it's got a lot of topography. Yeah, you know, uh, our farms are basically all flat. Oh, like okay. It's flat swampland, flat woods, flat egg. There's no contours, so I don't think that helps. The other thing is you guys have a lot of pressure, like not only on your farm because you have a lot of people hunt that, but like I think Wisconsin's got more of a like deer drive mentality. Yeah. And our farm, no one drives, and we don't really. We have. We have. It's kind of a mix, but I'll say for like what me and my immediate family hunts, not my cousins, because they hunt adjoining land. It's probably 180 acres, and we have, like, five, four to five people on that 180. Versus, yeah. I think you've said, like, we've had upwards of, like, 12 on 40. Yeah. So I think, like, that could help, like, just keep deer turning. Keep deer moving, for yeah. sure. And so we've noticed it, but typically we have enough deer where it, like, yeah, you could shoot a deer. Like, I've shot two does a day multiple times, like, morning and night. Yeah. Um, because there's just enough deer that something else is going to move by. But, yeah, this year we've had two brutal winters, like super deep snow winters, um, long winters, and then, like, I think coyotes is another thing. Um, yep. This last – was it this year or the year before? I think it might have been the year before I shot a doe and I had four coyotes in the plot before I even climbed down to, like, go track my doe with archery season. Jeez, dude. So and they ran her off. Like, that was lost cause. And so, yeah, I think that those are the two things. Like, we just didn't have the deer we usually have. And then we had, like, record warm temperatures for the rut. And that's when our season is. And, yeah, just – I don't know what it, – it was, like, conflicting information. But it was pretty poor. Pretty poor deer hunting. So, the old, like, I say that my season was pretty bad. But on the flip side, me and my wife bought this new farm. I've told you about that. Yeah. She bought a brand-new bow. Was super excited all year long. Like, I'm going to shoot the first deer of the farm. I'm going to shoot the first buck on the farm. Um uh, and so she shot a doe during our early antlerless season with a shotgun, right plot right behind our house. So super fun to be able to like do the whole setup for the first time at our new place. So I have like the tractor, um, brand new tractor we got for the farm. And so I just drove up to it with the bucket, put it in the bucket, drove it off to do the, the gutting. 
hung it from the bucket, did all that stuff, had the shop right there to process it. Like for once it's been nice. Cause ever since I left high school, I've had to drive two hours, two and a half hours to really deer hunt. Unless I'm doing like Western public land stuff in North Dakota, which I did quite a bit of, but then it was even worse. Like never anything like nice. Like it's always been like quarter this deer as fast as you can process it as fast as you can. Cause I got to work in the morning. I got to drive two and a half hours home. I got to look, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. 10 o'clock. I'm getting home at midnight type of hunting. And like, this was the first time where it's like, yeah, we'll hang it up. She literally worked an overnight at the hospital. She shot her deer. We gutted it. She went into the house, made dinner and went to work for her <laughs> overnight shift. Dude, how yeah. accomplishing did that feel? I mean, just having all of that stuff, your own property, a tractor, yeah. like the shop, uh, oh. like tables to butcher it, freezers, um, the grinder. We had the grind, the family shares a grinder. So I had that like every, yeah, it was just, for once it was like smooth and I could do it on my own. Like a lot of times when we do the family deer hunt, like it comes to Sunday and like half the people want to butcher because they already shot their deer and they want to yeah. like get it all cleaned up. The other half want to keep hunting. I have to like leave. I always had to leave. So it's like, well, I want to get on the road. I want to go. I want to get this stuff done. Yeah. And then it's like, well, we don't start butchering until two o'clock because everyone hunted the morning. And, you know, so it just pushes my time. And so it's always been like this, like, pressure frustration and this was the first time where it's been just smooth so that that happened and then halloween we had a cold front move through on snow like the night before and then temperatures dipped so me and my wife went hunting and i didn't even knock an arrow um because i figured there's like we've seen one picture of a deer that i would shoot on this farm and yeah. we've seen a lot that she would shoot so she's hunting and sure enough we see a couple of deer cruising and our woods is super open and we see one and i pull up like hey that's a buck and so I grunted a couple of times. He starts coming our way. I'm like, oh, wow, that's like, it's a year and a half old buck, but he has like a five inch split, like a mule deer, like a oh, fork dang. on top. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was probably the best genetics I've ever seen on a year and a half old buck. And so he comes through and stops at 12 yards in front of her and she draws back and just, just drills him. If she's shooting, I mean, she's five foot three, five foot four. She's pretty small. But she's shooting a sixty-pound Hoyt Venom. Dang. Yeah, and she doesn't shoot like she didn't shoot for two years while she was in college and residence. Or, well, she's in. She really didn't shoot for like eight years. Much. I mean, she shot like a couple arrows at a summer with me. Other than that, she didn't shoot her bow for bad, probably six eight years. And then she bought a new one this year, and she just instantly jumped to sixty pounds and started shooting a sixty-pound Hoyt. Holy so yeah, cow. she she drilled that buck. Fixed uh, Rage two blade right behind the shoulder she had a pass through but the arrow kind of fell out as the deer tipped over so like it was still in the you know half in half out but yeah like, two holes for sure yeah yeah drilled him he ran like and we have like the world's worst swamp it was like alaska bush country like it's alders and it's buckthorn it's 12 oh, 15 dude. feet tall it's thick like like the nastiest stuff we walk through on your property like yeah. all of our stuff aside from that like five acre oak ridge is that and so every since we moved in i'm like man if we shoot a deer and it dies in there like it's gonna be rough yeah and it's got poison sumac so you gotta like oh you never know gosh dude you never know if you're gonna get the itches and the deer can get it in their hide too so like if you're like touching like if they lay in it you can like get it from their fur um and it's more annoying than anything is i don't know everyone gets it differently but i've been worried about it forever and so we're on the end of this peninsula she shoots it it runs right down our road and dies at like the Y from like the road coming to our house that beats up with the road on the, on the ridge dies right there. Huh. 
So that's awesome. So I could drive the tractor right yeah. up to it again. And if I was a little bit better with the bucket and it wasn't like my wife's first buck or her first archery buck, I'd probably try to just scoop it up with the bucket and like <laughs> drive away. So we'd, same thing. She had a great season. She had a phenomenal season. Um, so that's the highlight. I mean, other than that, 2023 is pretty rough. And it sounds like, you know, from the little bit of catching up that we've had, your 2023 wasn't a banner year yet either. Like it wasn't a Dude. giant bull, giant buck in the same day type of year. No, it was, it was a trash year, man. I just couldn't seem to have anything go right. Like the first opportunity I had a buck, well, before season, I had more big bucks on camera than I ever have, including one on a property that I've hunted for years. And this buck, I mean, it's got a 12 inch brow tine. And I was like, dude, this is a 180 buck all day long. And I was super pumped. I saw it one time ever. And it was just a trail camera picture last year. And I was like, I didn't know this buck existed. And so I was like, okay, I had him on camera with 12 other bucks before season started. I'm getting trail cameras kind of moved around, set up a couple months before, uh, getting, getting trees ready to hang stands in. And I went out to this property, but no, I went out the day before and put three new cameras up and I saw on one of those cameras, a guy on a four wheeler driving through. And so I called the guy who leases it for crops and cattle. I said, Hey man, uh, is one of your guys out here on a four wheeler? He's like, which property? And I told him, and he's like, no, man, they sold that property. Oh. And I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, it's 40 acres of nothing but rolling hills a bean field and it's like probably 37 acres of beans, a thin strip of timber along a river bottom. And then one hillside that is nothing but tall grass in the middle of the beans. It's like too steep for them to plant. And so yeah. they just leave that alone. And it's just a perfect, perfect spot for hunting. And so I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is where this giant buck is. This is where I saw 12 bucks, a half a dozen of them were over 140. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need, I'm sick about this. And I found out who they sold it to. And I knew that they were big buck hunters. And so I'm like, well, that deer is gone. Yeah. Like that deer is gone. And I know I won't have access to it. So I started focusing more. I went back the next day, pulled all of my stuff out of there. Um, started focusing more on these other properties. And on my property, I had a giant 10 show up a giant eight show up a real funky buck. That's got like, it's hard to tell if it's a split fork or like a double fork or, or sorry, a double brow tine or a double main beam. And like the second main beam just kind of shoots up next to the brow tine had that guy on camera. And then on the other property, I mean, I had a half a dozen deer that were over 140. And so I'm like, dude, this is going to be a killer year. Get out there have a mature buck come through. He, instead of walking the beans, he actually walked behind me in the woods, drew back to get, had an opening for him shot and my arrow helicoptered and went to the ground, landed like 10 yards in front of me. And I'm like, what, what the heck? My knock went, I thought my arrow exploded at first because I saw two things go two different ways, probably 90 degrees from me. And I'm like, what happened? No idea. Like the arrow exploded. The deer's gone. He took off running. I immediately grabbed my rattle bag 
and just start rattling thinking, yeah. okay, maybe I can just pretend there's deer over here. He heard a lot right. of noise, didn't know what it was. And I wasn't planning on calling him back, you know? And so then I climbed down immediately to investigate. I find that it was only my knock on the left side. And then my arrow was on the right, not broken, nothing going on. And so I still, I have no clue what happened. I went back to my shop, shot about, I don't know, 50, 60 arrows and never replicated the problem or duplicated the problem. So that happened. Wisconsin stuck a big buck, didn't recover it. Um, shot a doe, thought I went clean over her spine. I mean, she ducked really hard when I shot and I thought I missed her altogether. Went over, I saw a little bit of fur and looking back at the video, I mean, it's just, I mean, it just looked like it grazed the fur and flipped the fur up. Yeah. And then she ran over to another guy. He was sitting in a stand and he's like, dude, she came through a yearling came through and they just hung out and fed there for 45 minutes. Like she's totally fine. And he showed me the video of her and you can see the fur flipped up on her back. Oh really? So I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay, sweet. So she's good. I'm glad she just ducked it and it was a clean miss or essentially yeah. a clean miss. So go back out there to hunt. And I think they were walking out that next night and they found her paralyzed in the woods, like right where they had walked at, walked in and out the day before. What? Yeah. And so they had to do a mercy killing and I'm like, that's crazy. What in the world? And I mean, we have video of me, of my shot. We've got video from him, from the stand of her. And so the only thing we could think is like they were, for some reason, this was early October. They were rutting really hard on that island. And the the thing that we all kind of came to was maybe a buck tried to mount her and that arrow caught a little bit of muscle on her back or something. And when he tried to mount her, it like snapped her back. Maybe like her back. I mean, I don't know what else to say because it's like, she was on her feet. Like he watched her for a long time that night. So huh. anyways, yeah. so that happened. And I mean, at that point I'm sick, you know, like what's right. going on. I go out to Colorado. Don't have any opportunities at elk, but I did help my brother fill his first elk tag. So he shot a bull. That was pretty exciting. We got on a bear, spent my whole last day of elk season sitting on this bear, waiting for it to get up. We had three guys positioned to shoot it when it got up and it just wasn't moving. And we're all like, dude, this is our last day to hunt. We need to, we need to make something happen. So we sent right. my brother down in on this bear. He walks over, he gets to 35 yards on this cinnamon and it finally just, I mean, it goes to a dead sprint from laying down to a dead sprint. Nobody ends up connecting with it. So that basically wrapped up my L camp was sitting on a bear all day. And wow. So I'm like, dude, this is, it's just, it just kept going worse and worse. And then finally we get all this warm weather, not seeing any deer. I am excited because I did finally get a picture of the giant eight. I call him uh, Mr. Clean. Yeah. He showed back up on camera two weeks ago and it was 30 minutes before shooting light. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, he's back. That's the, uh, just two pictures of him. That's all. And then 
we get this cold front, but it was my wife and I's 10 year anniversary. So we went and got a cabin south of here. And, uh, while we were down there, I had two of my biggest bucks. They were on camera sparring. (laughs) Like then it wasn't during daylight. I mean, it was middle of the night. And so it was like, I figured they'd be showing up, you know, with all these cold temperatures, the deer activity just blew up again. A bunch of small bucks, a couple like way in the distance. I can't tell which deer that is pictures, Mm -hmm. but, um, so they, they show up and they're just tickling antlers right in front of my camera. And I'm like, sweet dude, the temperatures are staying cold. I'm going to get back out. I really just have one day, which was yesterday to hunt. So I got up early yesterday. Oh, and I didn't even say those, uh, those guys that bought the property, they killed that buck months ago now, 183 inches. Dang. So they killed him. He's a freak. Um, so I went out yesterday morning, had something in the woods behind me. There was no wind. It was so cold. Everything echoed. I mean, it just seemed like you could hear a mouse 300 yards away. Right. And I had something in the woods behind me before legal light, never saw what it was, and then saw one doe on the neighbor's property 1,300 yards away. And wow. like. I can see the whole field in front of me, you know, like if I, if a raccoon walks across this field, I can see it. And so I'm like scanning everything, you know, scanning the woods right across the road. Cause like there might be deer there if they come across now they're in my field and they don't have that far to go. Right. So I always scan these two fields like way on the horizon. And it seems like every time I do, I see deer over there. So scan that saw one doe, that's all I saw yesterday morning and I got back and I was thinking I was done. You know, it was freezing cold. I think it was five below when I woke up, uh, to get out there. And Oof. I was thinking, man, we've got stuff to do today. Um, the kids have events tonight. Like I'm not going to go out. And my wife was like, so are you going back out tonight? And I was like, maybe she's like, Canyons karate's canceled. You know, we just have gymnastics with Ember. And so I was like, sweet, I'll go out. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, my best chance at shooting a big buck is to go sit on the fence line. It's going to be a ground sit. Like I'm going to sit on the fence line in the tall grass and on a freak deal that this big buck shows up in front of that camera again, I'm going to shoot him. But also I'm like, I haven't had him on camera during daylight in two months. So why would I think he's going to? And then my other thought was I'm going to go to my home property because this is going to be my last chance to shoot a deer on my property. Cause we're going to sell it. And so, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go to my property. I'm going to go sit there. It's cold. That big buck could show up and I get there. I check my cameras before I walk in the woods. Right. Cause I'm like, the last thing I want is a deer to be in there 15 minutes ago. I walk to my stand and then I bust them all out. And so I get to the woods and I walk about 10 feet into the woods and I look over and there's a deer at 50 yards. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, it doesn't even know that I'm there. And it's loud. I can hear everything. I can hear squirrels, birds. Like my footsteps sound like uh, an elephant walking through with how cold it is. And it's not alerted to me being there at all. And so I'm like ranging everything around it. It goes behind a tree And then all of a sudden I see another deer and another deer and another deer and another deer. And I'm like on the ground, I'm not behind anything. Now I realize I've got 
five deer and I can't take another step. So now I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out windows. Like I've never hunted from this position. I'm only 15 yards from the tree, but like I have no lanes anywhere. And so I'm like, they're going to have to walk up to me in order for me to shoot them, but they're going to bust me before I do. So, uh, I'm watching these deer and then all of a sudden I see that there's one walking the opposite way of the others. And I'm like, shoot, there is a very distinct five yard wide window all the way there. I range this tree. It's 40 yards. I'm like, perfect. And it's kind of in a dip, right? There's like a bowl in the middle of the woods. That's just lower than everything else. Yeah. And I see it kind of coming up that range, the tree, I'm like 40 yards. Okay. If it gets beside that tree, I know I'm set at 40. So I dial to 40. Sure enough, man, it walks. And as soon as it gets behind the tree, I draw back. So it doesn't see me. It steps out, not alerted to me or anything. I settle in, send the arrow. And when I do, the woods just explodes. I lose sight of the arrow in flight. I hear so much commotion. I can't hear a hit, you know? And I'm like, what just happened? Right. There, were, there were way more, there were twice as many deer in the woods than what I thought. And there were even some behind this deer still coming. And so I just see the arrow fly. I just see four deer scatter where that arrow is. And I don't even know at this point what deer it's like the, the ball under the cup, you know, it's just like so much happening <laughs> that I'm like, right. I don't know which deer is mine, like which one went where. So, so I go over there, find the arrow immediately. The blood is already frozen on my arrow and it's not like soaked, but it was a full pass through, but it's just weird. Cause there's like, right. I mean, there's some muscle tissue in the broadhead. There's fur all over on the ground. And I'm like, okay, I got to find which path this deer took out of here. And most of the deer went right. kind of anywhere from southeast to southwest. I mean, they generally went south and one deer ran out into the field. And I was like, okay, oh. that's probably the deer, but I just need to check all the tracks. So I start looking. Sure enough, I pick up a blood trail and I walk out. Uh, I, as I was looking at the other tracks, I thought I heard a crash out in the field. And I couldn't see because that field is tall. I mean, it's just right. an old overgrown hay field. And we've got a light coating of snow on the ground. So I'm following the tracks and the blood pretty consistently. I'm just cruising, cruising, cruising. And I'm getting closer to my shop. And I'm like, dude, there's a fence here. So like, hopefully it's dead right here. I mean, 80 yards or so from right. where I shot. And I follow the trail. And it jumps over the fence right behind my shop. Now it's in my mowed backyard area of my shop. And I'm like, what the heck? And there's nothing for, for 800 yards except like my yard, a fence, a cut cornfield. And that's right. it. And so I'm looking and it's crazy because it was so cold. I've never tracked a deer in five below before. And one, the wind was blowing in my eyes. So I was having a hard time seeing anything. Like as soon as I'd look down, my eyes would fill with tears. I'd have to wipe them away, try to get something before they filled up with water again. And so I'm tracking, but I'm finding blood icicles as if like this blood is freezing as it's dripping off the deer. Oh, probably. It, it's, yeah. it's not like, it's not like 
I've seen it before where like the blood hits the snow and slowly melts and it's an inch below the surface. Like this is just blood chunks and ice chunks on the snow. So I'm like, this sucks. I hope that wound doesn't freeze up, you know? Yeah. Anyways, then it starts really blowing. The snow starts coming. I'm about five minutes away from only having headlight or my headlamp to, to track it. And sure enough, it goes over my fence into the neighbor's corn. I call him, get permission from him. I track it all the way across his corn. And it was like the blood was gone. And now I'm just following a single track right. of deer prints. And then all of a sudden, I find a chunk. And I mean, it was like the size of a baseball of blood. And then it opened up again. And I'm like, so I think what happened is the blood froze over the wound and that fell off. And as soon as I found that on the ground, it was just, I could just basically speed walk on this trail. Really walked all the way up to the next property line and it went through the fence and I could see blood on the fence where it went through. And, uh, then I had to back out because I didn't, I've never talked to that guy. I don't have permission to go on his property. Uh, but I called a, another guy I know out there to get his number this morning. And oh. so I got to go back out there, but I'm like, dude, it was consistent blood. Uh, the deer never stopped. It never stopped. And like, there was never a pool of blood where it stopped. It was just a consistent trail all the way. I mean, it would go from running. I mean, the strides would be like bounds and then it would be running and then bounds and running bounds and running all the way across this field. But I was slowly losing hope the whole time. You know, the farther you get from your shot, the the yeah. less hope you have. How far were you? How far was the blood trail that you did follow? Seven hundred yards. Yeah, that's long that's enough. A long where you definitely way. didn't put it through the heart. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other problem. Like normally, I see my shot. You know, it's yeah, been very it's so rare. Cold. And when I'm walking in the woods, I don't have any camera or anything, so like, I have no way to look back on it. But when I shot, everything felt good. I, I, you know, you know how it goes when you shoot, you're like, Oh, right. smoked that or like, dang it, pulled mm -hmm. it to the right. Like everything felt good on the shot, but then the chaos of everything, I'm like, dude, I don't even know what deer to watch right now as they're running away. And, um, and then, yeah, with losing the arrow in flight in the woods, it's like, I, I couldn't tell where it sank in, but. I mean, she definitely yeah. ducked. She definitely ducked. You know, like it was cold. They heard it. They weren't alerted before. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get a hold of that guy and find out one, if I can walk on his property. And two, um, I might fly the drone up first and just look uh, because it's just yeah. a tall, it's just a tall grass field. But uh, with the snow on the ground right now, it should be pretty clear if there's a deer body out there. Yeah, you'd think it, I mean, the way most deer die is from, like, hemorrhage, like blood loss. Yeah. But as you lose blood, you get um, colder, hypothermia. Yep. And then when you get hypothermia, your blood doesn't clot as easy, so it gets thinner. And so you yep. lose more blood, which makes you even colder, which increases your, you know, and so it's like, it's called, like, the triangle of death once you can't control bleeding. But yep. I got to imagine these cold temperatures are just going to you know, make it, you know, exacerbate the, the process. So I, I gotta believe you're gonna find a, yeah, you're gonna find a deer at the end of that trail.
All right, how many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope? Trying to untie it, it's all knotted up, and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or a lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you could fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or I don't know if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120 foot canister, a 70 foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to get back out there. Um I've got a lunch meeting at 1130 and I think right after lunch I'm going to go out, but you, this morning it was like negative 2 when I woke up. So it's been, you know, below freezing all overnight. Uh, then, oh, to make matters worse. So I'm tracking this deer and I'm getting trail camera pictures, right? As I'm tracking this deer and it's still legal light while I'm tracking. And that spot that I said, I thought about going and sitting. Yeah. My biggest buck on that property was there for the first time during season, during legal light and cross right in front of that camera oh shoot so i'm like that just adds Dang to it. it you know like all of the deer all of the deer were moving every one of my cameras had pictures on it during shooting light last night and then to make it all worse that big buck showed up so yeah while you're tracking deer yeah. while i'm tracking a doe Dang, that yeah that is kind of a rough season yeah it, it was an interesting close to it that so a rough season you know a lot of learning moments like i i feel like i'm pretty efficient with my bow i can always improve um and then things like this mm. happen and it's like accounting for the drop of a deer you know i shoot from the ground all the time you know i don't i don't have like a tree stand that i hang and practice from but it's right. like it was a flat shot uh everything seemed perfect and then it was just not so yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if I Dang, had video to know what what really happened, how I messed up, because something went wrong. Obviously, 
Yeah, the last couple of deer I've shot with video really helps, like, being able, and the lighted knock helps being able to see, like, well, it hit right here, and, like, you can see the angle, everything. Like, deer are never as broadside as you think they are when yeah. you look back on the film. You're like, oh, oh yeah. it was perfect broadside, and you look, and it was, like, I don't know, 10, 15 degrees quartering, too, and you're like, well, yeah. maybe not perfect. Oh, yeah, she was definitely a slight quartering, too. It wasn't yeah. extreme by any means. Like, I had room to put it behind the shoulder for sure yeah but it's like there was no yeah i'm just trying to think what because i mean it was a pass-through shot but it the blood was red um there there wasn't any type of gut matter we never found green like the arrow didn't have anything green or like mucusy yeah. or anything like that on it but it's like the chest cavity still is a huge area that has some spots that aren't fatal so yeah could add like a single lung or liver yeah. and a lot of different things that like it's you're still going to kill the deer you just got to find it yep so so yeah. that's going to be my uh immediate postseason is going to find that deer and is your season closed now yeah last night was the last night last night was the end okay yeah no it's uh it wasn't the greatest year by any means i'm i'm starting to look forward to next year already <laughs> yeah dude yeah now it's gonna be raccoon trapping for me man and then shed hunting dude yeah shed season's coming up faster than we know it yeah i've had i've started to have a couple podcast guests on the western rookie about shed hunting i don't know exactly what my plans are going to be I, we talked about in the western rookie i don't know if i'm going to have enough time to get out to new mexico because i think abby wants to come with me um this year since she finally can and, and it's just kind of like it's a great trip and it's really fun like i had a blast but it takes so long to get out there that it doesn't really yeah. seem worth it unless you can make like a week of it because yeah. it's it's over it well for me anyway for you guys it would be a day but for me it was like a day and a half to get down there yeah and so three days of traveling like you want to at least be able to hunt for like three days and so that's a six-day trip already which Have is just hard about... for her to get off with the with the hospital scheduling have you thought about flying? I mean, obviously, you couldn't bring the sheds back immediately. Yeah, I just give them to you, and you could carry them back yeah, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bring them back because I thought about that. I was like, man, maybe I just fly out there. But then I'm like, I'll never, unless I ship them, I wouldn't get them back. But for you, if you flew out, then I bring yeah. the sheds back, and then the next time I come up to Wisconsin, I bring them up. Yeah, that could work. I'll have to talk to her about it. That could work for sure. And we already decided we're not bringing Grizz this time. So, yeah. <laughs> dude, you don't want to have to detail your truck again afterward. No, I don't. That was that was awful. But yeah, I don't know. Or we, th I have a cousin that I found in Montana that finds a ton of sheds. So I might try to see if he's game to try to put something together for a shed hunt um, yeah. as well. Or else, depending on the winter. Yeah, South Dakota is an option. Abby really likes going to that place in South Dakota that we sometimes go to. But yeah, like if that place doesn't get snow, they don't find any sheds because it's yeah. it's um it's all open country. So like the deer just herd up if the snow gets bad on like the best food source, and then you can like really rake in the sheds. But other than that, you're just trying to find like onesie twosie. Yeah. So we'll see. We're did definitely going to do something. Did I tell you about my brother? I told him about our shed hunting trip. Yeah, and he's like, dude, I need to go and look for sheds, man. He lives up in Steamboat. Oh, I think you did tell me he went out for like one day and found like a mother load, and you're like, yeah. He's like, is this good? And you're like, is that good? Like, <laughs> dude, I mean, there weren't any like monsters 
you know, he found it was all mule deer sheds except two, two elk sheds. And one of them was so small that he thought it was a mule deer shed. Um, oh, yeah. and, and none of them were brown, but yeah, I think he said in, in three times of going out, he found 22 sheds. And the first shed that he found was within 30 seconds of entering this property. He's like, we just randomly picked a public land chunk and we walked out. And he's like, as soon as we went through the gate, my buddy's like, is this a shed? Like he had never shed hunted. He's not a <laughs> hunter at all. And he picks it up. And then uh, 20 seconds after that, he found the match set to it. And he's like, That's dude, crazy. we couldn't walk anywhere. He's like, we would walk to pick one up and we would see one to our left and we're like crap we got to remember that one's there we're going to pick this one up quick and grab that and he's like he i mean he sent me a picture of his tailgate full of full of little sheds on the first trip i think the first trip they found 13 and they were out there for like two hours i feel like he probably like i was wondering if he's accidentally like hunting like the national park where it's illegal to like pick up sheds and that's why they're just laying everywhere and then he's like yeah, I know, it's public right? land like it's yeah let's go find i don't them. think i don't think there's a national park right there i mean not in a steamboat no no the closest one would be rocky mountain but he's like it was yeah. it was just wild how many he found and he said he did run into another guy there was a guy on a four-wheeler that they ran into on their second time out and he's like, dude, I've been out here for a week shed hunting, haven't seen another person. And that guy, I think, found like a dozen of them total. Oh, really? So, like, he he was looking all over, but apparently just this big, like, sage meadow area, they walked through that, and that was basically all they covered and found all those sheds, so. Yeah, no, I'm excited for shed season. Um, I'm excited for, we're going to do an antelope hunt this year, so I'm super excited nice. for that. Uh, doing more obviously projects around the home farm. I think we're going to try to get in three food plots into the middle of like that willow area. So yeah. that'll be like a good attraction. It'll take a couple of years before they're like good plots, but anything to start, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, no, we're excited for sure on that front. It's, it's going to be a good year on um, the antelope hunting. I have high hopes for. So is you doing archery? No, no, we're doing right. No, Archery oh. antelope is either one of the hardest things to do, or you sit in a blind on water for a week in a hundred degree <laughs> temps. And I don't want to do the blind thing. And I, I don't know. I'd rather have a couple of successful hunts when Abby's like first starting to get into the Western hunting thing and oh, like yeah. spot stock antelope just as brutal. I mean, you get a lot of opportunities. You get to do a lot of stocks, but you know, yeah. it takes like a hundred stocks to get one. Yeah. I, I have yet to do antelope. I mean, I've got a bunch of points for it, and I keep thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll go out and do it. Maybe I'll go out and do it. But it's tough, man. I wish it fell. I wish it fell in with basically the other rifle seasons out west, because like I could, I could lump it all in and potentially get an antelope, mule deer, and elk tag for one unit. And I see them all. You know, like I've seen antelope on the drive into our elk spot. And yeah they probably just would you'd have to hunt like a lower elevation than your elk but you could still do it out of the same camp oh yeah yeah we see it all the time i mean i saw probably i don't know i bet i saw 75 to 100 antelope this year elk hunting yeah, i saw way well, more antelope than i did elk but i yeah. mean they were they were a mile and a half away you could just barely pick them out with the spotter cruising yeah. around yeah so no that's our plans for the year um I don't think we've talked about anything else besides that, other than just like doing stuff around the farm. Um, got a couple of fishing trips planned. Um, 
but yeah, that's our, that's what the year looks like. Nice, man. How's, uh, one last question and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. How's Western rookie going? Cause that's been almost a year now. I mean, coming up yeah. in what, March, April. Yeah. Um, but we, I think we started co-hosting in like January. So yeah, so yeah we're at, uh, I think we just, I think today is episode 102. Nice. So yeah, I mean, you obviously did about half of them, but yeah, yeah, no, 102 episodes are out there. It's going good. Um, haven't missed any weeks, which is always a, when you're a podcaster, like I feel like that's like one <laughs> of the things you like brag about is like how many consecutive shows have you put out and not missed. And so, yeah, I've yep. 76 on my own channel and 102 on the Western rookie without missing one. So things are going good. We got some, a couple of really exciting sponsors, um, on the show, which is fun. So go hunt, uh, came on board as the title sponsor of the thing. Dang. Yeah. Which is like a perfect fit. If you know anything about go hunt, I mean, it, yep. it, they are the, they are the people that help you get tags more than anyone else in the West. They like all the tools they have, draw odds, filtering units. I use it like on every one of the hunts I go on. Yeah. So super excited about that. And then we got the Steelhead Outdoors Gun Safe Company, which as much as you move, this would be a perfect gun safe for you. So it's a full like fire insulated, full on security safe. Like mine weighs 600, 650 pounds, but you can take it apart like panel by panel and you can carry each panel in and out of your house. Like I did it literally by myself. Dang. And then you can assemble it. I mean, it's still like the two inch thick, heavy duty safe. Um, like the door, especially if you get their biggest size, the doors gets pretty heavy. Like that's like 180 pounds. Like, you know me, I'm obviously a bigger guy and it was yeah. super heavy for me too, but I was just stubborn. Yeah. Um, so I did it by myself, but if you had like a dolly, like a two wheel cart or something, be no no problem at all or two people no yeah. problem at all i assembled mine in like an hour with like doing film like video of the whole process and moving cameras around and so it's super simple it's super easy and the, like you can customize it they put my logo on it for me which is super cool but like you can basically get they make each gun safe unless you buy one of their like they stock a few common options other than that like they make it to order so you can get any color combination you want basically yeah, super cool. It's got motion activated lighting inside. So as soon as you open it, some lights pop up. Dang, man. Yeah, we're going to have to chat off air about this and get some information because I've been in the market for a safe. And the one reason that I haven't got one yet is because of how, how much we move around. But now we're looking at exactly. houses. So. Yeah, I mean, I had a big fixed, like normal solid safe that weighed, I think my other one was 675 empty. And you can like you could take the door off, but the door is so heavy it's hard to take off by yourself anyway. Yeah. And so I moved it into my house up a flight of stairs with four people and a a cart that has like a triple axle that like rolls over the stairs. Yeah. And coming out, I had a buddy that played rugby. It's about he's a little bit bigger than me and a lot stronger. But we both had to like jump and pull just to get it up on the cart like tip it and then i'm like going down these stairs i'm like dude this is like the scariest thing i've ever done like it's just gonna turn away from us ten thousand dollar (laughs) remodel oh my god or if like someone gets hurt like if this thing goes like we were both on the top side but still like it's scary yeah we'll be moving that stuff around and like if you get hurt like i'd feel terrible like i'd be pissed if i got hurt i'd feel terrible if he got hurt like you never know what's going to happen when you're moving something that big up and down stairs and so 
I sold it. Like as soon as I saw this company at a at a a trade show, I sold my safe. I got one of theirs, and then I was like, "Hey, we should partner up because this this thing is phenomenal." The middle, yeah. they're a local Minnesota company, right on the south side of the metro. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So no, it's super cool. They can ship anywhere. They've shipped to Alaska. They've shipped to California. Shipped to New York. Hopefully it's, Springfield, Missouri soon. Hopefully Springfield. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of stuff, and then they also have like a lot of cool products. There's like magnetic gun holders and and bow holders like abby got a magnetic bow holder so when we go shoot i don't know if like that what you're looking at you're gonna have like archery outdoors but like obviously here at the farm we just shoot in the backyard so she just walks in grabs her bow off of the rack walks outside and shoots comes back in hangs it up um they got like lock boxes military and police force uh, lock boxes and different like under the nightstand stuff so super cool company yeah but yeah that's why they started it they both had gun safes and they both moved and they're like i don't want to there's not a good option like if you're moving yeah and, and you had this gun safe and so they just Dude, it seems like their the hesitation for everybody i've talked to people who didn't move because they had a gun safe <laughs> for real they're like, like Dude, we, were, we were talking about pros and cons. The wife. <laughs> they're like talking about pros and cons of moving and then it was like i don't even know how we would move this well, I couldn't even, I live in the, we lived in the Twin Cities when we moved and now we live outside of them, but I was calling like moving companies and piano movers and none of them would touch a gun safe. Hmm. They're, yeah. It's like, I don't understand why you'd move a piano and not a gun safe, but they're like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. And so now you're like limited to like asking friends. No one, none of your buddies want to help you move a gun no. safe. <laughs> and like, and if someone would get hurt, like that's what I kept coming back to. Like, man, I was just terrified of it. Like I've been hurt a lot. Like I've dislocated a lot of knees playing football and yeah. I've hurt backs weightlifting and just like, I know how much it sucks to hurt and then not be able to do something for like, like be on edge for 12 weeks while your back heals. Like it just yeah. sucks. So yeah, I was like, Nope, not doing that. And so I bought this thing and, it's it's amazing, man. Like I've thought about it's so easy to take apart and put together. I've thought about doing it just to make a TikTok. Yeah, dude. I mean, that would <laughs> like, probably go over really well. People, I mean, people like like convenient things, and yeah. nobody nobody likes That's having to move live. Yeah. a gun safe. You know. Oh, you can have, and the biggest one is like a thirty-eight gun safe. Like it's big enough for pretty much anyone. Yeah, you can get like I have mine set up, so it's got. I don't have a lot of guns, and so I have racks on half for ammo and things, and then guns on half. I only yeah. have like two rifles and a shotgun, and then um, sometimes I put my bow in there. I don't know, because yeah. <laughs> I got the space. But yeah, Dude, that's, no, it's sweet. That's definitely something I'm going to look into. That's one of the things that I keep saying I'm going to get, and I just haven't yet. But that would make well, I got, it. Much $150 discount code for you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Use code two bucks and you can save $150. <laughs> I love that the code is two bucks and you, you save, save 150. 150 bucks. Well, I'm going to start a gear review channel and then you know how everyone's just like, well, that's my two cents. Like, yeah, here's the mystery ranch calf Metcalf pack. Like here's all the good things, but you know, that's just my two cents. Well, I'm going to just yep. change it to like, that's my two bucks. And you <laughs> Dude, I love decision. it, man. I like that a lot. So, but yeah, no, that's been a cool one. And then I already spoke about the panel blinds earlier in the show, but yeah, those are some three of the, three of the partners we got, which is kind of all encompassing of what I do. And I, I, I'm sure you're the same way, but I only work with people that I have products for. 
like yeah. that I use their products. And we've talked about this on road trips where like people will reach out and be like, Hey, you want to sponsor this stuff? This stuff's great. And you're like, I didn't My lawn and garden company. Yeah. No, I definitely do not. I gave away the stuff you gave me because it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always so. tell people, I'm like, dude, if you want to send something, I'll try it out. But like, I'm not going to make any content about it if I don't like it. And yeah. if I do, we can talk about a partnership and move forward with that. Like that makes yeah. the most sense to me because I like finding new products, but I'm not just going to blindly agree to promote your stuff and I've never even used it. Well, and that's why I like, like you obviously have got the hauler set up with go wild now. Yeah. And so that's what I liked about that. And then having like a gear channel is like, I can pick and choose what I want to review then. And then yep. I have a place, like if you're interested, I have a place for you to go look at it and potentially buy it versus like just randoms sending you stuff and yeah, like, yeah, go to their site and I don't know, look it up. And I don't know. I used it for 13 seconds before I made this video and it didn't break yet. So, <laughs> so it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but yeah, no, that's kind of the plan. Um, it's been nice. really fun. Yeah. Obviously I love hunting the West just like anybody. And then with you and doing the, are you guys still doing the, the Sam and Dan podcast? Dude, so I've got one that I need to finish editing. We recorded it like a month and a half ago. Okay. And we just, with social media taking off so much, we just hit a million followers on Facebook. I saw all platforms. So Sam's pretty pumped about that. But with with social media taking off, the podcast kind of got pushed aside, but Sam's on a tear now. She's like, we're bringing it back and we're going to do it really well. So. That's going to be you're still doing the Suro shop. Um, no, she kind of closed that down because we got a book deal. The Suro shop wasn't bringing in much money and then we got oh, a okay. book deal. So now we're working on a book that, uh, we've got to have the first version done by July, mid July. And so we've been working wow. on that pretty hard. Um, on surrogacy. No, it's just all about adventure. I mean, it's okay. it's about our life, the decisions that led to where we are today, the the risks that we took, like the reason that we live kind of an unconventional lifestyle. And so, yeah, yeah got reached out to about that. So lots of big stuff coming up for us. And hopefully with this fall, her not being pregnant, I'll be able to actually hunt as much as I'd like. Yeah, she mentioned to I think like in passing once that this was her like she was gonna do one more. Yeah, and this then is, that was this is the one more. So she's done after this. Is that like a rule or is that just her choice? No, it's just her choice. There's people okay. who do a lot of them. Okay. But uh, I was just curious, like with something like that. I mean, obviously, I don't have the necessary equipment to even do it, so I don't think much about it. But I was like, well, maybe that's just a rule. Like the law is, you can only do this twice because after that, it gets a little too dangerous or risky, or you know what I mean. No, like, I, there's a lot at stake. It just goes like pregnancy by pregnancy. You know, if if you have a really complicated one, the odds are they're gonna yeah. say, hey, don't do this because you do go through a medical screening before you sign up or before okay. you like go under contract and everything. And so if she had had complicated pregnancies or any major issues, she probably wouldn't be qualified yeah. to do it. Um, but okay. they've all been smooth so far, but yeah, she said she, w she was going to do this one and then be done. So uh, that's what we're, that's what our plan that's is. What our plan is so far. Well, no, she, t she's told me multiple times this go around. She's like, if I say I'm going to do this again, tell me not to, because the sickness and the nausea have gotten worse 
every, every pregnancy. Time. And oh. she, this time it was rough. I mean, basically up until a week ago, she was nauseous every day. So. I saw the video of the Culver's. <laughs> and it was, I don't want to laugh because she was obviously not in good spirits, but it was from the outside looking in, especially from like a male perspective. Like she's like, crying that she's like i wouldn't made you get culvers and it doesn't sound good anymore and you're just yeah. like okay i'll eat it like what do you want and she's like what'd she say sour cream and rice uh ra- rice and ranch oh <laughs> dude her her cravings are the weirdest things and we have a lot of people because we make a lot of stuff we make a lot of content content obviously that stage like when we're lip syncing we're obviously yeah. faking it. Like we're not singing. And I've had people like, your lips don't match up with the words. I'm like, that's because this isn't my song. That was Bruno Mars or somebody. Right. Um, but there, a lot of people were like, dude, was that for real? I'm like, that was 100% genuine tears right there. Like that was Sam. And she actually wanted ranch and rice. Actually wanted ranch and rice. And Is she that like a that. thing she, like you guys normally no, eat? I've never, never heard of that in my life. Never. Okay. <laughs> no, most of the stuff. Uh, one pregnancy she did, um, she dipped pickles in honey. No, it wasn't pickles. It was Doritos. She dipped Doritos in honey butter. Uh, that was a big thing for her. She has actually really wanted steak and mashed potatoes a lot this pregnancy, which is not something she normally is like, that's what I want for dinner. Um, so yeah, lots of weird stuff. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, good for her doing it, um, to begin with and helping a family out, but, that one struck me as odd, like the rice and ranch. I'm like, it's it, every day, man. It's something weird, but <laughs> dude, I appreciate you taking time to hop on with me and uh, hopefully you've got a great 2024, but you should definitely come down to New Mexico. And <laughs> with this again. I'll tell Abby, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll see what happens. We're going to Costa Rica in a, like three weeks. Ooh, heck so that's yeah. what she's focused on now. I don't know if anything sheds down there. <laughs> No, I wanted to do some like deep sea fishing, but it's pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, dude, keep me updated on how things go, and uh, hopefully we can get together and hunt soon. Heck yeah, buddy. 